This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Happy New Year to everyone. We're starting off a, a new year here with uh, all things surveying. And as I was saying, uh, by the way, my guest today is Gary Kent. Welcome, Gary. Hi, Kurt. I think for most of our listeners, that all I need to say that my guest is Gary Kent, and then everybody knows who you are anyway. So <laughs> in case there's some person who's never heard the show before, then we'll let them look you up on uh, uh, one of the Internet search in- engines or something. <laughs> but uh, uh, we were just talking before we came on that, that Dave and Dave before us were talking about surveyors, and, and they are among those who appreciate what we do, and so that's that's a good thing. But one of the things that I've been I'm thinking about, and of course you and I have had a little conversation on this leading up to today, but I, actually what got me started thinking about this was this month and a few couple three weeks, I'm going to be going out to San Diego to meet with the NCWS folks. Their task force on the future of surveying has been ongoing, as I think you know and our listeners know, for some time over a year, I think. And I've been attending those meetings and. This one is a little bit different because it's going to involve a larger group of people. Up until now, our group has pretty much been representatives from state licensing boards, which obviously make up NCES, and uh, I've been involved in it. So I'm not a board member, but I'm, I'm part of that group for discussion purposes. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, so this time, though, we're going to have a meeting that includes people from a lot of other entities, uh, American Association of Geodetic Surveying, our, our old ACSM partner, AAGS, ASPRS, American Society of Photographic and Remote Sensing, you know all these people. Bureau of Land Management is going mm-hmm. to be there, the National Association of County Surveyors, uh, NGS, National Geodetic Survey, um, the, the educators group, the SAGES group, Surveying and Geomatics Educators group is going to be there. USGS is going to have somebody there. MAPS is going to have somebody there. Uh, our regional group, WestFed. Uh, the Utility Engineering and Surveying Institute portion of uh, American Society of Civil Eng- Engineers is going to be there. Uh, there's a, a Colonial States group, a licensing group, that have gotten together and created sort of a uniform uh, Colonial States state-specific exam, and so they're going to have a representative. FIG is going to be represented, um, as well as two of the the publications, uh, Professional Surveyor and POB. So it's a it's a pretty diverse group. And, and when I was looking at that, what it, it made me think about a lot of the discussion that's been going on lately about surveying, and, and as you and I both know, particularly in our work with the uh, ALTA and SPS survey standards, um, there's a lot of people that are interested in surveying and with all the new technology that's coming down the road are kind of getting involved in it, maybe when they shouldn't be getting involved in it, but 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 they are. And so it just it just brought to mind this whole idea of we are we in the surveying profession, I think, are going to be forced is not the right word, but maybe directed into, kind of reshaping our thoughts about who we are as a profession and what we do and and what other players may come into the into the fold here or maybe not in the fold but at least into the the topic um, itself and um, and we've seen some of this begin to happen 
um, already. Uh, there's the age-old engineering versus surveying question, which, and speaking of NCWS, that comes up with them a lot. They, they have a hard time addressing it from my perspective because of it being a licensing entity or the licensing board entity for engineering and surveying. And But, but that topic comes up a lot. Um, floodplain management, the different elements of surveying that the functional part of it, gathering data part of it, and maybe even demonstrating the results of that data, can now be done by almost anybody for a lot of the elements within surveying. So I think where where our discussion today might go is more related to the future of surveying in terms of you know, what are our licensing structures going to look like? And, and what should they look like, perhaps? Um, so I, I don't know a good place to, to kick off with that. Um, you know, there's a, talking about the engineering versus survey, there was a recent article about that, that uh, in, the, in the NCWS magazine that, I don't, I don't know if you saw it before I sent it to you, but I know you read it. Um, but that that's another one of those topics that continues to come up. Um, so maybe that's worth having a little bit of discussion about here in the beginning. Yeah, sure. Um, the uh, you know, of course, every state has a has a statute that regulates surveying, and and they tend to be fairly similar. But although there are some outliers, and there are a number of them that follow the NCWS. Uh, model law to the extent that they can. I think every uh, there's probably no state that could just adopt that across the board because every state has a little bit of a little bit of differences in the things that they do. But um, you know the the key, as as you know, Kurt, and as probably a lot of the listeners know, the key um, differentiator is that phrase authoritative. And uh, when it, I would say the differentiator when it comes to all of these, all of these peripheral things. I'm not talking about boundary surveying. Obviously, that that is in the realm of the surveyor, and I think there's nobody who would disagree with that. But when we start talking about creating maps and and images and uh, databases and that sort of thing, the the differentiator seems to be this authoritative. Which I, which I think is a really, really critical part of that because if you don't have that in there, then almost anything that, that people would do in engineering and architecture and GIS would fall under the realm of surveying. So uh, one of the things that has happened is there are a number of states that are looking at their definition of surveying. We did here in Indiana about two or three years ago think uh, uh, the article you're talking about is mentioning New Jersey's statute. Uh, State of Washington, I believe, is looking at theirs. I think Tennessee might be looking at theirs. And um, this sort of thing, this sort of activity gets uh, a lot of attention in the GIS world because they're just very concerned that uh, unless people are careful, they're going to encompass Work that that is done in the GIS realm as surveying and and you know people get all concerned about that as they as they as we would if it was us. So um, 
I think, you know, the, the probably the short answer to kind of the, the question that, that, that you ask on the, in the licensing realm, I think that surveyors ultimately are probably going to be limited. The, the, the profession of surveying is probably going to be narrowed down to boundaries and legal descriptions. Uh, everything else that we do is a, is a function of technology. Uh, you know, it used to be that if someone wanted accurate measurements on the ground, if they wanted topography, if they wanted uh, to lay out, you know, to, to construct something, it all had to be uh, done by a surveyor. And uh, technology has taken all that into the realm of the non-surveyor. Uh, and I think we're probably pushing a rope uphill to... Uh, or that's that's a combination of, <laughs> of phrases there, but pushing a rope uh, to try and continue to capture all of that as a practice of surveying when the reality is uh, almost anybody can do that stuff, as you just said. Yeah, I think it all ultimately boils down to responsibility. So, uh, and in this New Jersey case, for example, in this article we're talking about, the 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 article says the judge concluded that the PE, quote, was not authorized to conduct a topographic survey independently without relying upon a survey performed by a licensed professional surveyor. And, you know, this is a topographic map. Um, yeah. So on the one hand, you've got, you've got the technology leading to ease of use um, and, and even getting uh, precise results in terms of measurement. Um, and, and so that, I think, is going to be part of the discussion is where do you draw the line, like you said before, um, between the, the ability to gather information and the capability to determine what, you know, what the relevance is or the, or the usefulness is of that information. And well, and the, and the you know yeah the liability issues and yeah. the responsibilities you know Brent Jones with Esri has talked uh, at length about those types of things uh, you know what happens when a when a GIS um, you know somebody's using that for mapping or for sending nine one one or whatever fire trucks and somehow there's some programming wrong the map is wrong whatever is wrong and. And somebody dies, and you know who's responsible. Well, you know, in surveying, it's it's pretty clear because we've got licensing laws, and this is certainly not a topic that's unheard of. In the, it's it's talked of uh, frequently in the GIS area. Uh, uh, this idea of being responsible for you know what's being done, and where does that fall ultimately? Yeah, and I think part of that discussion has to be. If if whoever's going to be gathering and utilizing the data, there should be some qualification of your competence to utilize the data for the stated purpose, and and, and that's really what part of surveying is about. I mean, that's that's even if we talk about boundaries, that's still part of the, part of the discussion. Is mm-hmm. that yeah, we go out and gather information, but you have to have a certain expertise, and so. It's going to be really interesting, I think, as as we move forward to have these types of, of conversations, and I, I think there will be more and more attempts, is not the right word, instances where where that line gets drawn comes into to discussion, if not question. I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Part. But... I think inevitably that that's going to happen. Just uh, as technology, you know, we talk uh, 
we talk about UAVs or UASs, and you know everybody likes to talk about drones. I mean, that's probably the most pervasive thing going on that is going to, uh, you know, changing topography and mapping and photogrammetry and everything just dramatically, you know, as we speak. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. I just heard on the radio this morning that one of the announcers on the radio, this program I was listening to, had has a drone, and apparently the uh, the government has decided that you can't operate a drone um, within a thirty mile radius of the capital. And I didn't catch all of that, but I thought it was pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> to, to hear because this guy was like, hey, I got my drone. These people got these things for Christmas, you know, for God's sake. And, yeah. and now they're telling you can't operate it unless you're as far away as Baltimore or or halfway to Richmond or something. So, anyway, we're we're coming up on our first break, so we'll go ahead and uh, and take that here in a couple of seconds and come back and pick up on our uh, our rambling discussion for the day. So let's go to work. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com. That's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.seanstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hey, Gary, I'm going to have to check into that. Uh, that I think it's a 30-mile radius is what, what the guy said because he mentioned Baltimore. And I'm going to have to get my map out and, and draw a circle to see if our office here in Frederick's outside that zone in case I want to go out in the parking lot and fly my, zone or my drone around or something. <laughs> As if I had one, but yeah. but I would I would think people in in our business would be have a real interest in finding out what this really and and again I just heard this this morning and I don't know what the particulars are, <coughs> so I don't know if accommodations are made for 
you know, professional services companies like we are. But uh, I just thought it was kind of striking that that, that came down. And I, I'm pretty sure he said it came to the FAA, but I, I could be wrong about that. Hmm. Well, you know, Kurt, that's that's uh, as we talked in preparation for this. Uh, there's an awful lot of stuff like that that happens that. Uh, people are not aware of. I think that's one reason NSPS is important and one reason that the state societies are so important that uh, these things come along and nobody's nobody's paying attention, nobody's aware of them. I think the average surveyor often doesn't, you know, unfortunately just doesn't see the value of supporting an organization. It's, it's kind of like, you know, well, what have, what have they done for me lately? Well, uh, you know, this stuff goes on all the time and if nobody's paying attention it'll it'll catch people uh, unaware very quickly yeah and, and as we've learned with uh, things like davis bacon for example there are folks out there who have other interests other than the, the professional nature of our practice who have influence in in the policies that get made and the instructions that get put down through governmental agencies and who can do what and when and you know what how do they have to be classified and all those kind of things and 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 that's not just the federal government that happens all up and down the, the government structure i think so it's important oh yeah yeah to have uh, i always draw the the line from um i'm trying to think what the name of the movie was um that Tom Cruise was in, and Jack Nicholson played a general in the army. Um, oh, uh, I, I can't remember the name uh, of the movie, but yeah, we know the we know the movie. <laughs> Nicholson made the the statement something about being the the sentinel standing on the wall. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and that that's that's kind of like I see our surveying societies, whether they're local, state, or national, or whatever, is is being being there and and having the uh, the ability and the support and. Of course, the, the didn't really want to get into the topic of associations necessarily, but it, it is important, I think, to say that associations are only really as good as the participation of their members um, because we have ways to figure out what's going on, particularly here in Washington, through our, our government affairs and our state societies. Most of them, I, I don't know if most is the right word, but a lot of them have pretty decent government affairs programs and and oftentimes have a representative who watches for legislation for them coming up in the states but short of that uh, exactly as you said anything can happen and still does in many cases because a lot of times that stuff happens kind of in the dark of night and uh yeah it gets gets past us and i'm sure and with your experience and licensing board experience i'm you see that probably from that side of it just as much as from the association side. Oh, yeah. Um, you you know, they, the, the Chamber of Commerce puts out a – every state chamber probably puts out the little publication that says this is how bills become law. And, uh, and everyone who's familiar with it looks at that and says, yeah, well, actually, not really. Uh, that isn't what happens. What happens is what Benjamin Franklin always talked about was sausage making, and uh, you know things can happen uh, literally in the dead of night, and things get attached onto bills, and and horse trading happens, and all of a sudden you wake up some morning and and there's some attack going on, uh, you know, on against your profession. You know, it happened in 
Alabama, it's happened in Texas, it's happened in Florida, just this happened uh, here in Indiana in the last few months uh, or the last year, I suppose. Uh, it's a, it's not a, it's ultimately not going to be serious, I don't think. But you know, the image certainly is there of uh, of a legislatively formed commission that decided that engineering registration was just really not not necessary and uh, and is uh, wanting to actually make a recommendation that they no longer license engineers in Indiana. Uh, that obviously would have to go through the legislature for a change like that, and I think ultimately that commission is going to back off of that suggestion. They have not made their final recommendation. But uh, but it just goes to show the uh, you know the very severe things that can happen uh, with people who presumably have good intentions, but just are wholly uninformed about uh, the reality. And uh, and if, unless somebody's paying attention, these things you know take get uh, get wheels and move right on through. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and that that's happened in a in a few states, I think, uh, where these commissions have been created to streamline and. Everybody gets consideration for being on the chop block, and doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. But like you said, if you're not there to speak up, then it's more likely to happen than if you are there to speak up. And right. you mentioned right. Alabama. Um, I was recently in a conversation about their, their. You know, they have a QBS law like most states, the many QBS laws, mm-hmm. and uh, theirs is is pretty specific, much more so than a lot of other states and hadn't really been enforced before, but apparently their board has decided to enforce it. And and the society's saying, well, hold on here a second. And and then the answer comes down, well, it's up to you practitioners to turn people in who are not doing what they're supposed to do. Well, yeah, I guess that's true, but in in many cases, if, if they... And, and, of course, this relates to QBS itself, not to normal practice and, you know, whether or not somebody's... If somebody called you up and said, I have four acres to survey, and you'd say, well, I'm sorry, I can't give you a proposal because you've got to go out and get proposals from five other people. Um, <clears throat> and apparently that's part of their law. And uh, and apparently the board made some statement that, well, it's up to you practitioners to turn people in who aren't doing this. So, you know, it just it creates a, a difficult situation. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, again, everyone generally has good intentions, but when they are ill-informed about the realities of what goes on in the marketplace and in the profession, then things can go awry pretty easily. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and it, we talked about the, the whole drone thing there a minute ago, and um, I guess I should say UAS. We're not supposed to say drones, I don't think. But anyway, um, <laughs> there are just so many aspects to the profession, and, and we're beginning to see a lot of conversation going on in those areas. I mean, we've had, like you mentioned earlier, the the engineering survey side of things, if that's a, a proper term. Um, but there are many other practice sets within our profession, which is, as far as I know, you probably know this better than do I, but I think the laws in most of the states are pretty darn broad, pretty all-encompassing. In terms of oh yeah education. yeah when when you read when you read the registration acts if you read them word for word they often are very broad and then of course it ends up to the to the board and and their rulemaking process to decide what is actually going to be included in that definition or not 
uh, and, and in fact, the model, the NCSS model law, has that same problem. If if a, if a state was to adopt only the model law, uh, it's it's really it's really very broad. You also have to would have to make sure you adopted the model rules, which narrows the scope of the law. So. Yeah, they. When you read them, some sometimes they kind of take your breath away as to what they're claiming uh, to be the practice of surveying. Well, and and also not only that, but but timing. You know, with there's a big discussion going on right now with the NGS folks about um, you know they're transitioning within a few years. They're going to be transitioning out of the way we do things now, and we got a fairly significant number of state laws out there that that call for a specific uh, adjustment, you know, in in AD 83 or whatever. Right. Um, And so there's a big discussion going on right now. So in that, and and that's a little different area than than the the practice itself, but it's just another example of keeping your hand on the pulse to, to not specify something that's changeable or easily changed. Or gets in, yeah, and, in, in the cases you're talking about gets affected by new technologies, right? Um, you know, and that becomes a bit of a problem sometimes in the in the lawmaking realm because uh, in a, in most states, I suspect most states, I know certainly the case in Indiana, uh, the legislature is hesitant to adopt, for example, say something like, well, whatever the current whatever is, uh, they're they're very hesitant to adopt laws like that because, like, well, we don't know what we're, we don't know what the current is going to be in five years, and so that's a concern. Uh, but then you then you run into, you know, things going obsolete. I I remember I, I suspect most states have adopted, uh, you know, NAD eighty three and and, uh, and NABD eighty eight, uh, and they're going to have to deal with uh, the changes coming along at some point here. Yeah, that's been a big topic of discussion, and you know we have a, a liaison group with with NGS, and they work really closely with us and trying to get, get information out to people all the time. and And that's a big topic right now is how we're going to deal with that because those laws, many of them, were written with that specific language in them. And mm-hmm. you know, if you just think about it on the surface, you think, well, okay, you can just change that. But as you say, if you if you're in a situation as are you sometimes get involved in and how these laws get changed, there's more to think about there than just say, well, let's just go in and change the language um, and, and and be broad. And, and, and in a way, you kind of need to be broad because things change so rapidly these days. But I know there's a reluctance to do this, do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did, um, you know, in a, in a connected vein, Kurt, we had a, a question brought to you by the, uh, was it the home builders? Ask a question of you about the uh, the executive order on the floodplain management. Yeah, it was uh, yeah National Association of Home Builders. Yeah, yeah, they did. You know, that's yeah. uh, you know not 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 a dissimilar thing. All of a sudden, somebody's asking a question about uh, how you how you surveyor is going to deal with this, and and we're like, deal with what? What are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah, we're we're in the process now of going through and and looking through everything and trying to find specifically. Because they they weren't specific, and this came in at Christmas, of course. So there wasn't any yeah. any way to talk to anybody. So you know, we were scrambling around looking at all the information we had. And we're thinking, okay, so which part of this are they talking about? Um, but but it's I, I think it's uh, uh, emblematic, perhaps if that's the right term, 
that yeah, other people are involved in what we're doing, and they're looking to us for some kind of answers and how we're going to deal with these things. And then, of course, they want to know how that affects them in the long run. Right, right. So you you have those kind of situations come up uh, frequently, and uh, we're 10, 15 seconds away from break. So when we come back, let's talk some about specialty areas. We've talked about surveying in general and, and licensing and and there's some things going on right now in specialty areas. Um, we mentioned photogrammetry at one time, but let's go to break. We'll come back and mention that in a minute. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. As we were saying before the break, yeah, there, there seems to be more and more things coming up, and I'm sure it'll get more pervasive as we go along in terms of utilization of new technologies or specialty services for which specific qualifications are required. And then how does that relate to providing of these services to the public in an open way so that if people hires me, Kurt Sumner, licensed surveyor, to do X, unless Kurt Sumner tells them how and why he's qualified to do this work, they don't know me from Mr. Y somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so... You've got two things at work here. You've got capabilities that have been created, some over time and others more recently, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, um, that are required to do certain things. And some people have expertise in those, but they might not be licensed surveyors. And then you have the licensee who has the the authority to do all of these kind of things, 
but obviously under ethics laws or at least ethical standards and and other things that our societies try to promote, another good reason for societies, um, may or may not have the capability to do that particular thing because, you know, particularly the the era of when so many of us came up through the the internship thing, learning basically one thing. If you don't go out and educate yourself and get expertise on doing other things, then you're allowed to do them, but you probably shouldn't be doing them if you, you know if you don't really know how to do them. Well, and and even I think most registration acts uh, talk about that. They outline everything that that we are allowed to do, but that every act I've ever seen basically says something to the effect that. However, you only practice within the areas of your expertise. And, and that's really, I think, where the big question comes in, where, and, and there are issues under discussion right now with related to hydrography, for example. You know, we, we here, formerly ACSM, now NSPS, and the uh, Hydrography Society of America have a certification that was created, I think it was back in the 70s or 80s, by the federal mm-hmm. government because they were saying we want to know if someone who we're going to hire to do hydrographic work actually has expertise in doing hydrographic work and in a sense kind of like a QBS type thing you know prove your competence only in this mm-hmm. case it wasn't about procurement so much as it was about proving your capability to do this particular job and so the 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 government worked with our organization at the time and then the THSOA came in later to create a certification program for surveyors so that surveyors could say, I'm qualified to do hydrographic work, and therefore, beyond my license, which allows me to do it, here's a certification that proves I know how. And mm-hmm. some people have looked at that certification and said, well, okay, I've got, if you've got the certification, you really don't need a license. Well, it's still a licensed practice. The idea right. when it was created was, create an extra tool and and, and again I'll, I'll refer it back to QBS where you put another arrow in your quiver so to speak that says I have my license plus I've got this certification that says I know how to do this exact thing um, yeah. and that's kind of what they were looking for so now with the advancements of technologies and ease of use of uh, data gathering and, and those kind of things there's beginning to be discussions about well if I know how to do this, if I'm certified in hydrography, for example, and I'm just using it as an example because it's something we deal with, why do I need a license as a surveyor? Um, and so it, 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 I think, begs the discussion of, n- no, you don't take it out of the licensing structure, but do you need to create specialty areas for people to be licensed to do a particular thing? Um not necessarily undermining the overall license that surveyors have had for years because you're bound by your competency thing there. But if people mm-hmm. want to be a hydrographic surveyor, um, is there a way to get them into the licensing structure and exempt them from being able to do anything else within the license? <coughs> and like I said before, in, in many states, in my home state of Virginia, we did that with photogrammetry. So yeah, I think it, there's it's a, it's a well, good what maybe topic for discussion at least. Yeah, I think there's maybe, what, seven, six, seven states that have done something like that. And when we, when we, uh, redrew our registration act here in Indiana several years back, um, 
we were going to do that same thing, and word came back from our sponsor in the legislature that, that the legislature was simply not going to create another regulated profession. And so the, the tack that we took was we essentially exempted photogrammetrists from the practice of surveying when they were, uh, assuming they were certified by an organization like ASPRS and, uh, and practicing in, you know, within the realm of that, then they were exempt from that portion of, uh, of the Registration Act. Uh, so it was kind of an inverse way of doing, accomplishing the same thing. Uh, when uh, when I, I, I and I think that as you mentioned earlier, there are a lot of states that are constantly looking at uh, you know sunset legislation, re-looking at uh, different professions and different licenses and sort of uh, uh, registered professions, and you know looking at that. Do we need to continue to do this? And uh, uh, when they have those attitudes, then we have to be a little more. Uh, innovative, I guess, in how we address some of these things, these specialties. Yeah, I guess one of the things, if you look at, at photogrammetry, for example, and and what Indiana did, and of course Virginia did a, a little different thing, um, grandfathered in, pretty much everybody was there at the time, <laughs> but but, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, that's one element, that's data gathering and data processing for use for another purpose, right? So you're not really making... Um, decisions about the data you're collecting the data and demonstrating the data right as yeah. opposed to yeah. you know boundary work where you gather data and then you have to have an expertise so I, I'm, I'm thinking just when you were mentioning that if, if one is going to make interpretations about the data that's probably different than gathering the data and processing it for distribution for somebody else to make determinations about yeah, and I think particularly in this day and age, when uh, when gathering that data and and representing it, you know, whether graphically or image wise or whatever, is is I, I, you know, my recent column in American Surveyor, I said some some of this stuff is just like falling off a log anymore. The the technology, the softwares are are so good that you know what used to take days and weeks and uh, and a great deal of expertise uh, can be done. Practically by anybody, and uh, and as you say, they're not they're just representing information. They're not making necessarily making decisions based on it. But uh, I guess the thing they are doing is the tables. They are uh, verifying its uh, validity. They're 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 verifying its its accuracy or precision or what, mm-hmm. whatever terminology you want to use for those who are going to use the information. Uh, and another side of that is on, uh, we were talking about different areas within surveying. If you were to do something like that for specializations, I, is, I don't know enough about the engineering laws, but under the engineering practice, are there separate exams for civils and electricals and mechanicals? and Or do, or do they all take us? Maybe you don't know the answer to that, but... But I don't. Really I don't. I I don't know the answer to that. Other than my impression is no. Other than perhaps in some states where there is uh, structural, um, but I I I shouldn't even go so far as to say that because I'm really not not wholly familiar with that. Yeah, and 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 I know I I, I know that licensing boards. And again, I'm talking a little out of school here because I'm not 
particularly familiar with the engineering side, but I know in some states they have people on the board in those different disciplines um, so that, you know, they have people who are familiar with the discipline itself. That's not necessarily to say that the exams are different. It's just there's people on mm-hmm. representing the, the broader profession, if you will, uh, the different aspects on the board. Um, yeah, I think you have exams probably for the specialties. Uh, I, I just remember a friend when he took the civil exam years and years and years ago, uh, The most of the questions on his civil exam ended up being survey questions, So he was, and he had gone through the surveying program at Purdue, and he was relieved that he kind of lucked out on that because they could ask him a lot of civil questions he would not have been particularly familiar with, and he ended up asking him a lot of survey questions. Yeah, so uh, I guess the, the the gist of the conversation is uh, we certainly don't have all the answers as to where things should go, but we certainly know that there are issues that can't be ignored. They have to be part of our conversation as as individuals, as licensing board members, as members of state societies or, or national societies. All of that has to be part of our discussion. It's not a head-in-the-sand kind of thing that sometimes we've chosen to do. Yeah, and you know, and this stuff is just going to keep coming faster and faster. Uh, head in the sand is, you know, that that might have actually been a a tactic at one point. <laughs> if we ignore it, it'll go away. But but uh, stuff is happening so fast now that that's not you know that's not going to be acceptable. Uh, things things go awry too quickly uh, if you take that attitude. And then, sort of on the other side of all that, are are related in some way or things like, uh, you know, we started a certified floodplain surveyor program in North Carolina years ago, and it was really done to accommodate FEMA with regard to letters of map amendment. And uh, it's still going on in North Carolina. It's not going on anywhere else, but there's a reinvigorated effort um, out there. Even with the uh, Society for Floodplain Mappers, we've had a lot of conversations with them. There seems to be... uh, a desire to have that uh, certification out there broad, more broadly across the states, even if it's not specifically tied to what FEMA's doing. You know, FEMA was giving uh, quicker reviews on letters of map amendment for right. certain types of properties under the program, and still do when, when people use mm-hmm. it. But I, it seems as though people are looking at it more now from just extra training to help people do a better job when they're doing this kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think you may be well, and that, and that and that makes all kinds of sense with uh, you know uh, the the flooding issues that are well we've got them going on right now but uh, presumably going to become more and more pervasive. I know um, I think Miami and Miami Beach are are looking at spending some billion dollars over the next decade or so to uh, alleviate their flooding problems and. Uh, uh, you know, every time you've got a Hurricane Sandy or a Katrina or something, uh, there's just oh, a tremendous number of issues that arise, and it seems like it would be a good thing to have people who have some additional demonstrated expertise in uh, That's true. in addressing get, floodplain issues. We need to go to our last break, so let's go there, and when we come back, we'll pick this up. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next-generation magnetic locator. 
The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Shonsted products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.shonsted.com. Shonsted, the best just got better. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Back for our last segment today with, with Gary Kent. We're talking about a lot of issues related to licensing in the broader sense. And one of the things that we've chatted about and I've heard other people talk about, and this seems to be a fairly common topic of discussion, is this whole idea about you know cross-state practice um, and I know and you know lots of people who have licenses in multiple states. I know some people have them in 20 or more, depending on what their business model is. Um, but I, when we were talking about this before, you were you were talking about some, some discussion going on, um, and, and I'm sure it's not just isolated discussion, but maybe among, among licensing boards, about this whole concept of what exactly is it that's, State specific in terms of what surveyors do, and do we all do we need to have a a license in every state to do everything within the practice set? Yeah, it's uh, you know I I'm reminded a couple I don't know a couple months ago I had a call from a, a surveyor in Illinois and he was in Eastern Illinois and he'd gotten a project I think it was to lay out a building. Uh, just across the line in Indiana, you know, I like got a half mile over the line, and he, he called me. He said, "Do I, you know, can I do that in Indiana? Do I have to have a license?" And I, I said, "Well, yeah, actually, you do. Either and probably engineering or surveying license." Uh, and and I, you know, he he kind of moaned about it, but uh, the reality is that that. Every state is pretty much the same on that. I always remind people, they say, wow, Indiana's tough on that. I'm like, well, your state is too. You just, you never apply for comedy in your own state, so you don't know actually how your state reacts to it. But, but it's, but it's, to me, it's just completely silly to tell this guy that I'm sorry, you're not competent to stake a building because it's a half mile into another state. Uh, the only reason 
that uh, you know the thing ultimately that uh, that we have in our pocket to protect the public, I think, is related to boundaries, and uh, and and that's the only thing that's really state specific. I I have a hard time. I, I I suppose there could be some things related to tidal waters and such that that might be specific to California or Florida or something, but. Um, you know, but but those are going to generally be in the realm of engineering, also. So the only thing really is is boundaries, and I think the way technology is going, that's as I said towards the beginning of the program, uh, that's where we're going to end up. Any ultimately, uh, that's all we're going to end up with anyway, uh, because everything else is, uh, I think, legislators, legislatures, and and regulators are going to look at it and say, well, wait a minute, why are we why are we regulating this? And somebody can go buy a drone and some software and create a topographic map. Um, you know, so uh, we don't have to like it. I know there's a lot of people who want to push back on that, and who still, even today, want to push back on the GIS thing. But uh, you know, it just—I think we have to come to grips with reality. Yeah, uh, the lesson I think we end up learning is adapting to the technology is a, is probably the answer. Because right or wrong, you may or not win the other argument. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, learning to use the, the technology and, uh, and and you know, it, I'm, I'm going to be out in California. I mentioned that earlier on this whole uh, future surveying and and there's a an initiative that's also kind of building some steam that has really come through some folks in Virginia that I've heard about, and I'm sure there's other places that are doing it too. And it's this whole idea of workforce development. Um, looking down the road, the fact that we're all, you know, whatever age we are, and there's going to be a need for some number of us. It's hard to know how many these days with the way technology is working. But but one of the things I hear come up from time to time when people talk about workforce development is, well, when we talk to young people about coming into our profession, they look at our restrictive laws and say, Why? And so that may become part of that effort as well in attracting people to come in. Um, if if they're going to say, well, you know, I'm in, I'm a, of the group. My my generation is is not restricted to space. We're not restricted restricted to location. You know, we we're on Facebook around the world, or you know, we do all these kind of things. So if I'm going to be in a practice, I want it to be a broad practice that I can take. Everywhere, not just in my community, and of course, you know, for years, yeah. that's all—all all of us were. We're in my community and not beyond. Um, but I hear that fairly often when I go to the colleges, um, in terms of reaching out. One of the aspects of workforce development is this restriction uh, turns some people away. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's another reason uh, to relook at. Uh, you know what what we can do, what we can't do, and with with our license, and I think really start looking harder at at uh, you know the boundary aspects versus everything else. As I mentioned earlier, I know uh, Brent Jones with Esri has talked about this for years, and uh, and as as have a number of other people. Um, one of the things, Kurt, I was thinking also, and you we you talked about the future surveying task force and. And, you know, there's an awful lot being written on that, and we've alluded to it a couple of times here. Uh, one of the things that I point out to people, 
which I think is a really important point, and that is that when you ask about what's the future of surveying, uh, I think you have to break that into two parts. Uh, because the, what is the future of the surveying profession is an entirely different question than what is the future of the surveying business. Uh, because we can do an awful lot of things with our surveying business that that aren't necessarily uh, governed by the registration laws. We've we've talked on this show before a couple times. I think you have uh, with Bob Zierman and and folks about the uh, idea of folding uh, mediation into surveying practice. Yeah. Uh, and and all the things that you can do with your business. You know. Uh, uh, UAVs or UASs, and, and uh, gosh, there's just a, a, a tremendous number of opportunities in business that have nothing to do with registration. So I think we have to look at that question in a couple different ways. Now, certainly NCWS is looking at it from the standpoint of, uh, of registration, you know, licensing, but in the bigger sense, uh, I think the average person is probably looking more at their business and say, where's, where's my business going? Which is a whole different question. Yeah, and, and making sure the business stays alive is as important as anything else. I mean, obviously, yeah. if you're not if you're not in business, that you're not really helping anybody. Um, and so I, I agree, and and uh, haven't had a lot of discussions on the the mediation thing recently. And and I've I've sort of floated the idea several places I've been, and a lot of people say, well, how could you possibly be a mediator? Somebody hired you, and you're beholden to them. And, um, that's really not true. I mean, you're beholden. No, I think to, yeah, they, you know, that would they be ask you to do, but not to take their side. Right. Well, and you could you just do it under a separate contract. Mm-hmm. So you're doing you know you're 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 doing different work. Uh-huh. So that's you know that that's a different topic, but uh, yeah. but there are there are I know of surveyors in the United States who who do mediation as part of their business. Oh yeah, yeah. I just had uh, Mike Palomar was on the show recently, and he was talking about that out in California. And and I know yeah. a lot of other people are doing it too. And one thing we probably should should clarify as we've had this discussion about cross state practice and that kind of thing. Um, I don't think anybody's talking about you don't have to be licensed. You still need to have a license to do surveying activities Correct. that are within the law. But are there some right. of those right. that you wouldn't have to get a license in every state to do? You could do them across border. I think that's maybe worth. Yeah, or whether it's whether it's uh, for example for topos and and building layout, just as two examples. Uh, can can there be, there either should be some sort of universal comedy where if I'm licensed in one state, I'm automatically licensed in every state for for those types of practices, or some sort of national. Uh, you know, certification, or uh, I shouldn't say certification, some sort of national license for practicing surveying anywhere in the country other than boundaries. Uh, you know, exactly how that happens, it's it's not clear to me. I can come up with all kinds of scenarios, but I think over time it's going to become obvious that that's where we're going and we'll have to figure it out. Yeah, and but, but I and, but, but you're correct that it, it, it does involve a license. Regardless, we're not talking about saying, "Oh, you can go do that stuff without a license anywhere." No, you still need a license. It's just what what is the nature of that license, right? And and the idea that you know for years we've all had the, the perspective that, well, this is my town. 
you, you can't count yeah. my town. Uh, and and yeah. kind of the same way with with the states. Um, and, and the answer is people are going to end up diversifying themselves to be able to do the things that they don't want people to come to their place to do. So they, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. it means you have to you have to expand your realm of services more so. Right. Right. And I, and I think that, that whole thing is an example of kind of head in the sand type of thing. I, I, I think we need to be thinking about solutions to uh, to that kind of conundrum because if we don't, somebody else is going to come up with a solution that we may not like very well. Right. Which is, I mean, the, hey, hey, anybody can use a drone and make a map, so let's let's yeah. just get rid of licensing. I mean, we have to be out in front of that. And we do, and and as you pointed out earlier in the show, people are talking about that already in some places. Yes, yeah. And of course, that's not something we're in favor of. Um, but we it, we have to have a reasonable solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And not uh, one that is know, viewed a, as protectionist for our own benefit. No, and and that's a that's a big issue because uh, so many times. No matter what you do, that's that's the charge is that you're just trying to protect your turf. Uh, yeah, I mean, regardless of it, regardless of whether it's to the public's benefit or not. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and that I think that argument will continue to be made by those who who want to uh, to utilize whatever is available out there to do the work without going through the rigors of of committing yourself to protecting the interest of the public. Mm-hmm. Which is what the laws yep. are about, anyway. So, uh, I think that's that has to be part of the discussion. And so, hopefully, we've we've spread some seeds for for thought this morning because I, I'm with you 100. percent We can't just ignore the fact that these issues are out there. We have to be on top of them and be ready to come up with reasonable solutions to uh, whatever the issues may be. Yeah, pu- pushing back and and denying it and putting our head in the sand is is not is not an answer. Uh, and I think, as you say, being out front of it, thinking uh, that's why I think this this task force, this NCWS task force, is a is a good thing because it's getting people to think a little bit further ahead than uh, next quarter uh, about about exactly. things. And and it builds the case for associations. I mean, obviously, we can do more things collectively than we can do individually. So. I think that builds the case. And so here we are 10 seconds away from another wonderful hour of conversation. Thanks for being with me. It's been a great conversation today and hopefully one that people will gather something from. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kurt. Take care. Talk to you soon. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.